living in Sibley County with the pandemic and things shutting down, it has really been a lifesaver for all of us here who have it and have been able to utilize it. Welcome to episode 440 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Ryan Marcatilio McCracken here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Today, Christopher talks with two representatives from RS Fiber, a cooperative bringing internet access to almost 3,000 members in Renville and Sibley counties in the great state of Minnesota. Our first guest is Jake Rieke, a corn and soybean farmer and board chair for RS Fiber. We're also joined by Jenny Palmer, city administrator for Winthrop and treasurer for the cooperative. Christopher, Jake, and Jenny talk about the trials that shaped a network which fostered some division, but which the community now takes for granted. Its hybrid fiber and wireless approach to connectivity, what having fast, affordable broadband has done for families and businesses in the area, and where the network sits financially, moving ahead as it continues to expand and see robust, steady growth. Now here's Christopher talking with Jake and Jenny. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. And today, we're going to dig into one of my favorite projects of all time in Minnesota, the RS Fiber Cooperative. Let me start by introducing Jake Rieke, the board chair and a corn and soybean farmer. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. And we also have Jenny Palmer, city administrator for the city of Winthrop, which was one of the major cities pushing this forward from the beginning. Jenny is also the treasurer for RS Fiber. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to be here. Mighty Winthrop. Yes, Mighty Winthrop. <laughs> I, um, I've, I've, like I said, I just, I love this project. I know um, what you, I mean, I, I kind of understand a little bit. I, I shouldn't say I really know what you went through in all those years organizing for this network. But let me ask you for a quick history of it, Jake, and, and also just looking at the sharp um, the sharp video that you're sending right now, obviously something's gone very right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so how did this all start? The very first rumblings of it kind of started back in 2008, 2009, 2010 timeframe. Uh, and, and right around the 2010 timeframe is when it started to hit the public, uh, the public side. And that's when uh, informational meetings started to happen and, and, uh, um, and the word started getting out that, uh, uh, that something, uh, a potential project here was, was in the works. But um, uh, basically, from 2010 until about the 2014 timeframe, uh, the project went through various iterations of how it was going to be financed, who was going to own it, who was going to have control over it. Um, and ultimately, in 2014 is when they decided to, to turn it into a cooperative, whereby uh, the cities would lend money to the cooperative, and um, and the cooperative will go out and and leverage that initial financing to uh, to take on um, senior secured financing uh, in order to uh, to finance the construction of the network. So it ended up being a a, a three partner partnership between cities, um, Hiawatha Broadband Communications, and RS Fiber Cooperative. So you've basically got three entities involved, two of them uh, private entities, and one of the public uh, joint powers board, which is part of the financing side of it. The public financing side of it. So uh, in 2014 is when they uh, finally landed on a, a, a financing model, and um, it took about another year to uh, uh, to finalize the and actually close on that financing. And in 2015 is late in 2015 is when uh, the first uh, uh, customers started getting hooking up, and and uh, and the construction of the network 
really took hold in, in 2015. Uh, that was the year that we brought in uh, fiber from the south southeast corner of Sibley County, brought it into Winthrop, and, uh, and that was our backbone. Um, and from Winthrop, uh, we, we sent fiber over to Gaylord and started building out the uh, internal backbone on our, on our network. Um, so at the end of Winthrop, or excuse me, at the end of uh, 2015, we had Winthrop and Gaylord uh, ready to start hooking up customers. And we hooked up about 81 that year toward the, at the end of 2015, we had 80, yep, approximately 81 <laughs> customers were connected to the, to the network. Also in 2015, we built uh, the wireless side of it. Uh, and it wasn't totally built out in that first year, but between 2015 and 2016, we had the majority of Sibley County and a portion of Renville County covered on, on the wireless side. So, so the rural folks could start connecting uh, using fixed uh, terrestrial wireless. Um, so in the cities, you had the fiber of the home networks and out in the rural side, you had the, uh, the, the fixed wireless side. That's a, it's a very good history. And I, I think we can um, avoid digging any, any deeper because um, somebody wrote a brilliant case study on <laughs> RS true. fiber um, called fertile fields for people who really want to dig in. Um, and we've, we've had several folks from RS fiber over the years on the show to talk about it. Um, and uh, like I said, I mean, this is so. This is um, RS for Renville Sibley. We're talking about um, we're talking about real strong ag producer counties in Minnesota, uh, mostly uh, communities around uh, in Sibley, with some in the the eastern part of Renville, and um, just. You know, I just have to. I have to ask Jenny: um, Is this everything you dreamed it would be? I mean, you know. <laughs> We had pretty big dreams. Y'all, y'all, you know, there was big expectations and here we are many years into it. I had probably bigger dreams, but this has worked out very well. And, and I can't tell you how grateful we are to have it in this time of our uh, living in Sibley County with the pandemic and things shutting down. It has really been a lifesaver for all of us here who have it and have been able to utilize it. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll discuss a number of different angles about how to evaluate the network, but but I mean, I think one of the things that, that has always stuck with me was this sense that the network was clearly about bringing good quality connectivity to the areas, both in the cities and the, the, the more rural areas in the counties. And it looks to me like that has been met. I mean, you've again, I'll just come back to I think Jake might have better might have better video than I do, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Not only the cities, but with the wireless, the things they've been able to do to bring to bring that kind of connectivity to the rural areas as quickly as they have without building the backbone out there. They really do have superior service on the air side as well. And is this something that is it what's the community like read on this? Is this something that um, people are pretty supportive of? Are there divisions? Uh, you know, how did it how did it fall down now that there's actually a product to argue over? It's still considered a little controversial to some, I think. Um, but for the most part, people are getting on board and the people who have, who were at one point not in favor of it are using the service and really enjoyed it and getting the most out of it. And I think they're starting to see how important it was to the area for us to have this kind of service. I think the, uh, the truth is in the numbers, Chris, uh, because we, uh, we do continue to grow and m the more and more people that hop onto this network, the more people realize how how good internet is supposed to operate and what they had before was insufficient. And, 
and so we, we continue to grow and, and the numbers are there. So at the end of the day, uh, people realize the importance of it. Right. I, I would expect that your churn rate is probably quite low. I mean, not only do you have a very high quality network that RS Fiber owns, but to have um, HBC auth, um, as a partner, which is known as a very, very good local ISP, um, it's just, it's got to be terrific. Yes, exactly. No, our, our churn rate uh, is very low. Uh, once you once people hook hook up to this network, they uh, they have a tough time going back to what they had before. That's for sure. So I'm I'm curious, and if there's any any stories in particular, whether it's uh, you know a business or a person, um, Jake, you, you you just mentioned that people didn't really know what good internet access was before. Um, you know, Jenny or, or Jake, is there any stories that that come to mind that would sort of illustrate this with a, a personal touch? You know, I can certainly talk about my own family. Uh, our, you know, our household and our farm is just flooded with devices. And, uh, and you, you know, once you have that quality internet connection, it really just blows the doors wide open for what's, uh, what your net- network is capable of and what technology is uh, available to you. Um, you know, because before RS Fiber, there were lots of things that I was, in terms of technology and farming that were available but, you know, you'd kind of see the marketing material and you'd think, well, you know, I don't think our internet connection would handle that. So then that was about as far as you got. And you never really um, jumped on those, uh, the technology bandwagon because you knew that your internet connection would struggle with it. And, you know, the funny thing is, is once people do have a high quality internet connection, you really take it for granted really quickly. <laughs> uh, you forget what it was like, what you had before. I mean, it's kind of like if you've ever lived in a third world cr- country where where the power might flicker in and out. You know, we don't get that so much here in 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 the U.S. But um, uh, but you know, whenever you have a power outage, you you know it right away. And the same is true of, as as internet. Um, you know, once you get once you used used to that high quality internet connection, uh, it's really easy to take take it for granted and and forget what life life was like before it. Jenny, I know that you do double duty as the head of economic development for Winthrop. So I'm, I'm hoping you're collecting some of these stories. Well, we do, you know, and we have some pretty big industries in Winthrop, uh, Winfield Solutions, Heartland Core Products, United Farmer Co-op is headquartered here. Uh, both UFC and Heartland are big proponents and big backers of the project, and it's helped their industries out tremendously. I know Winfield Solutions is also they were at one point providing free Wi-Fi in their parking lots to, for people to use to work or do schoolwork or whatnot. Um, there's JTI services uses uses the um, broad RS fiber broadband for their services. Uh, we have two clinics in town that have really taken advantage of it as well for home visits and things like that. I don't know that there's one big story to say about it, but all of our industry have benefited greatly for having the fiber network here. One of the things that I'm always curious about with these networks is the wireless experience. I I think if you go back to the five years ago, there was an expectation that fiber would be marching out into the townships more by now, Um, but also probably that the wireless wouldn't be as good as it is today. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, Jake, you're, I think at 50 by 25 or so, um, you know, how is that in terms of, I know you have, you said multiple devices. Um, when my colleague Ry did an interview with you recently, he said your daughter was playing games at the same time. So you've been with despair, but, uh, is it, is it meeting the needs then in, in will for the foreseeable future? The, the one thing I would say about the wireless, I re, uh, it really does meet the needs, um, 
for our family. But uh, the one thing I would say is the latency is a little higher uh, than you'd see on a fiber network. As more and more households need more bandwidth, especially in times of a pandemic and, and, uh, and more and more people are on Zoom and using video applications, so as more and more people need more bandwidth on that wireless side, uh, the heavier tax that you, you feel on the, on the equipment. So I really think that the fiber is still the, the end game. Uh, you know, if, if we were able to get fiber out to all of the farms in the, in the countryside, you'd, uh, I think you could, you could sit back and you say, our work is done here. Whereas on the wireless side, you know, it's a little more questionable. I am really happy with our service, but there are days when, um, uh, when you wonder what uh, what it would be like to have a fiber optic connection, but as you can see, I mean everything here is is working properly. The one thing about wireless is it does take a little more work to maintain it. Towers and stuff, you know, will sometimes they're they're be hit by lightning or power surges, and um, so they're a little more sensitive to uh, uh, to truck rolls and and um, you know you know you know you need a little more work uh, to maintain the setup and. And if somebody's wireless receiver goes down or something like that, it's uh, it costs a little more money to maintain. That's for sure. But uh, we're really happy to have access to this uh, to this network out here. And if I remember correctly, I think you've started with like eight or ten towers, but you're more than double that now. So yeah. um, you, uh, I'm guessing that's been a, a really helpful in dealing with the load from uh, the pandemic and and people right. working from home, all the kids at home. Yeah, definitely. You want to you want to be able to spread out those homes across as many towers as you can, and and it does help uh, handle that uh, the, that excess excess bandwidth better. But uh, you know what it really does is is improve our coverage and and just give our installers a lot more options for uh, where they can pull you know a, a signal from. So you know you might uh, uh, you might have a grove blocking the north side of your home. And then uh, it would make it challenging to get that wireless receiver on the other side of the grove. Well, the more access points you have out there, the easier it is for install or installers to to grab a signal. I have to think, and this just popped into my head, but being a co-op with so much local community support, you must have plenty of options for when you um, need to put up a new tower. I'm guessing <laughs> people are probably pretty accommodating. Yeah, you know, there's a lot. There's lots of farmer grain legs out there. I've got uh, a few of my neighbors connected off of my silo here. We've got four uh, receivers on our silo, and and it kind of triangulates uh, to improve uh, to catch our neighbors who have a little tougher time catching the water tower in Fairfax. Um, so yeah, no, there's there's a ton of tall st- structures out here. Really, our biggest nemesis is valleys and like the Minnesota River bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are really difficult to um and challenging to to try and get signal down in there i think one of the other challenges as i understand it jenny is that um we would like to i mean i think many of these areas definitely need more um money to build out but because you're doing a good job of already meeting needs you're now at the bottom of the list for subsidies and so i'm curious if you have a sense of of how you come out of that challenge ultimately more subscribers (laughs) I, it is a struggle because every year the question comes up, do we qualify for grants? Do we qualify for grants? And I was on the um, Minnesota Rural Broadband Coalition for a while. And, you know, that was always the, the number one. Do we help get the people built out who need it? Or do we help the people who are in the middle of projects? And it always went to the people who needed to be built out. So we always do fall down to the bottom of the list 
and when it comes to getting money, but there is still a need here and we still have areas that need to be built out. So, you know, it's kind of a catch 22. Yes. The, um, the sense I, I had was that um, there would be, I think more potential with the new America, the new mark, new markets, tax credits. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I, I'm curious, you know, would, would you have any sense of whether the original plan for financing was um, maybe too ambitious or missed certain nuances? Like, or was it just a matter of this was always a, a, the hard issue that was down the road? I think this was always the hard issue that was down the road. I think it's always nice to put a plan together, but how often does the plan actually follow through the way you think it will? You know, everybody knew there were going to be struggles coming. Most of us were hoping that they weren't coming, but you know, the, it is, it is what it is essentially. And, and I wouldn't change it for a thing. I mean, I'm so glad we have it here and there's people who would pay double what we're paying for a a fiber connection like we have here. And I think the more people that are getting on it now truly understand that. (laughs) I'm one of them. I um I mean I love having forty megabits up on my cable connection and that's as good as it gets <laughs> on my cable connection. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, that's frustrating. Now I am curious. Have you seen um, new competition? Because I there was talk that the telephone company in your area might um, try to build more. Or I guess maybe it was nearby that it was building. Um, uh, they have. We have a local phone company who has been working on building out some fiber. Um, I don't believe it's fiber to the home. I could be, I could be wrong about that. Um, but they have built out one of the townships that did decide not to become part of RS fiber project. And they have been doing some work in in Winthrop too. So, um, I think our service is better, but that's, mm-hmm. it, I don't have any experience with it, with their fiber connection either. So, right now, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just, I think it's always interesting how, it is not uncommon that we see more investment following um, one very strong investment into an area. So I like well, to- Well, Mediacom has done some work too. They've come out here and and they've upped everybody's uh, bandwidth. They've upped their, um, you know, data caps and things like that. They still have data caps though, which is something RS Fiber doesn't have and which in my home anyway, with, you know, two kids and my husband online all the time, it's those data caps, we blow through them in a week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, if we had a lot of, a lot more live sports earlier in the pandemic, I think more people would have become accustomed to that <laughs> because all the sports stopped. We had some yes. of the, the streaming perhaps. So um, Jake, one of the things about Mediacom reminds me also is that I think in the cities where Mediacom was active prior, they also really lowered the prices. And I'm, have you done any, do you have any sense of how much economic impact the network has had in terms of people just saving money, even if they're not taking your services? Yeah, I mean, you certainly did see more competition uh, on the price side, uh, because that's that's what these uh, these big companies tend to do is, you know, they're not going to make the big investment and replace their entire network with fiber. Um, what, what they can do is make their product cheaper. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. I, I don't know the exact dollar number, but I do certainly know that, uh, when they started uh, hemorrhaging customers to us, uh, they 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 tried to react, and the way that these big ISPs react is uh, by dropping their prices, and they haven't been able to do too much for for a better service. And I know we picked up a ton of customers in in Fairfax because they were having issues 
uh, south of the railroad tracks and they just couldn't get it figured out for some reason. They all, so all of a sudden there was just this big flood of uh, hmm. incoming customers because there was their, their service was uh, um, having issues for one reason or another. So 10 years ago, neither of you knew much about telecom, I'm guessing. <laughs> and and if you if you think back, I'm just curious, now as board members managing this enterprise and, and paying attention to this, you know, one of them is like lightning hits towers, but like what are your what are your kind of your surprises? Like what is what's what what you what would you have been surprised to to know then that you now maybe take for granted today? You know, I think probably the biggest surprise was one that hit me early on, which is that uh Fiber is is really always going to be necessary. Uh, I think a lot of people don't uh, realize that technology moves quick, right? And and you know constantly there's stuff coming out every every five years, new new iPhones, new whatever it may be, new new devices. But um, uh, but at the at the backbone, at the at the foundation of all that, it's going to take a fiber optic connection in my in my opinion you've got stuff happening on the satellite side you've got stuff happening uh you know on the fixed wireless side sure but uh but at the end of the day if you want to solve the problem you get fiber to, to every home in the u.s and and you're done and the amounts of broadband that people are using you know five years ago they said oh you wouldn't need more than you know 100 megs or whatever and now the technology that's come out just in the last two or three years people are using double and triple the bandwidth that they were just a number of years ago. Yeah, I think one of the things that people miss is that even if every device doesn't significantly increase, just the fact that there's going to be so many more devices <laughs> that all mm-hmm. are doing interesting little things. Um, so I guess one of the things I, I'm curious about, I remember I was there at that meeting when um, it became clear that RS Fiber was not going to be able to fully cover the debt payments to the cities. Um, the thing I took away from that meeting was people were basically like, okay, well, that's disappointing, but we want the network to be done more quickly. <laughs> you know, like It was sort of like, okay, that's sad, but we would really like you know, just make sure we have the network that you now have today. And, um, and so I'm curious now, more than two years later, um, how are the numbers looking in terms of the, the customers? I mean, you certainly said that you're growing, but are you back on track to um, eventually take back over the the levy and things like that? When we put the, the, the refinance together, the, we put together projections uh, that showed a modest amount of growth over the next uh, few years. And um, basically what those projections told us was that we were gonna be able to resume payments to the cities in a seven to nine year timeframe. And we are still on track for them, for that uh, uh, timeframe to, to come to fruition. Um, and actually w- there's there's potential that it could happen, happen sooner, but, uh, but you know, we don't wanna get the cart in front of the horse. We don't wanna promise anything that, uh, uh, that we can't uh, see through. Mm-hmm. And is, has that been pretty well, you know, accepted then? I mean, I, if I remember correctly, do you have the numbers of um, the impact per household? I think it was on the order that many households are probably still paying. If you combine the taxes and the service fees that they're paying today, they're still in the same ballpark relatively of what they had been paying before. So people have better service at about the same chunk out of the household budget, I think. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate, I would say. Um, and we did just refinance the bonds too and saved some money on on interest too with the lower interest rates. So that was very helpful 
for the cities that lowered everybody's payment around 10%. So. And I guess one of the things, since Jake, you're on the line, when we looked at, there's an approach in Michigan that um, where they raise taxes on themselves. And one of the things that I learned quickly was that averages can really hit farmers hard. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know if there's, if the, um, if, if the, the co-ops in Winthrop, for instance, um, if they've taken a, a bigger chunk of that and if they just see that as the cost of doing business. I know that you can't speak for them, but I'm just curious if you have a sense of perception. I think the the businesses in Winthrop are are just happy to have uh, s- such a high quality internet connection at, at such a reasonable rate. Um, you phrase it in the households that you know the households are saving money with their telecom bills, so businesses are saving money with their telecom bills almost like tenfold. I don't know what the what the number is, but RS Fiber's business uh, pricing is just exponentially smaller than um, than what the the big ISPs are are doing. Um, so I remember for a long time, you know, at, at UFC, at UFC people were, why, why aren't you charging more? I mean, this, this product is worth so much more. And, and we're like, well, these are our, these are our rates and, um, and we're happy to, you know, give them to you for, uh, for a fair price. I, I think it is hard to even compare a slow unreliable DSL connection or, or a cable connection of the like that Mediacom had several years ago. Um, just you, you can try to compare the prices, but honestly, moving from a five megabit or slower connection to 50, a hundred, a gig, um, <laughs> it changes the way your business can operate just fundamentally. I mean, you just, it really gives you, it's, it's a, it's a whole different experience. I'm, I'm guessing. Absolutely. I don't know how we distance learn our children right now if uh, if we didn't have the internet connection that we have. Uh, I I honestly have no I have no idea how it would work uh, because the, the the connection that we had before couldn't really handle uh, the upload. Uh, you know, the video would be blocky, the audio would be choppy, and when you look at this, especially in times of of a pandemic, it's absolutely critical that uh, the infrastructure is there to handle it. Now, both of you, um, I know, so Jake, you're chair of the board, and um, Jenny, you are um, there as both economic development, talking with lots of other folks, and, and the administrator for the city of Winthrop. I'm guessing both of you are regular getting regularly getting calls from folks saying, "Hey, uh, you know, when are you going to expand this? We'd really like to be a part of this." There's some there's some counties around you that that have some need. Uh, you know, do you have any sense? I mean, in some ways, it may be easier for you to expand to folks you're not serving than to improve uh, from wireless to fiber in areas that you already are serving. And so, you know, have you been able to give that any thought? And you're absolutely right. The grant, grants are focused on new areas and not improving existing customers. Uh, so it, we did uh, we did kind of shoot ourselves in the foot here by serving our our rural wireless customers with fixed fixed wireless because uh, this area is considered served with that 50-25 service. So it makes this area very difficult to apply for grant funds because they're considered served. But we did uh, receive a grant allocation through some CARES funding. funding. That allocation in in Renville County funded an additional six towers. So we are expanding wirelessly into the uh, into Renville County. Uh, by the time it's all said and done, we will have 10 uh, total towers up and running there in, in the Renville side. And uh, we should be able to cover somewhere between 40 to 50% of the rural customers there in, in Renville County on, 
so we are expanding wirelessly. Uh, as far as uh, fiber expansion, that's not something that we are financially positioned to be able to, to do. Jenny, did you want to add on to that at all? I mean, um, <laughs> I could just imagine people coming to you and, and trying to... Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Nicollet County interested in having us expand out that way? Too? That's right. That just wasn't in our financial plan at this time. There are other counties that are very much interested in being part of the project now. I always have to check in too. Um, is there um, any lingering frustration from, uh, was it Arlington that, that chose not to join and, and had some considerable debate over it? <laughs> we get contacted from time to time from individuals in Arlington, but they've never really uh, put, together, put together a formal effort to, um, to provide an offer to us. I know that I was talking to someone over there in, in an office building and they were frustrated because their Zoom meetings would, they keep getting kicked out of their Zoom meetings for the city. And I thought, oh, well, that's too bad. <laughs> you didn't know so, that happened. Yeah. And I, but I know we do have some, you know, we do serve people with the air towers in Arlington and the people that we serve there are happy with the service. I want to end by just saying that I don't know if you all uh, think about this much, but there was a, there was a moment there when there was some stress, I think, between the cities, the co-op, and HBC, in which the board had to make some pretty difficult decisions about how to move forward. And the the co-op could have decided to just kind of walk away from the cities and not make a refinance plan in which the, um, the co-op would still resume payment. And it's the kind of thing that I think you know, it's a decision that you could have made. You chose not to. It probably would have led to decades of feuding, you know, the sort of town versus counties and, and sort of the frustrations that can do that. And and I, do you ever come back to that and just think, wow, I'm really glad we did the right thing and we, we upheld our obligation? <laughs> yeah, you know, the city's having skin in the game like that. It really changed the calculus uh, when it comes to uh, financial difficulties. And uh especially internally on the board, there was just such a resistance to have to, you know, just to say to go goodbye to the joint powers board that uh, uh, it really forced all the partners involved to, um, to figure out a solution that worked for all of us. And, and ultimately we, we found a solution and, and HBC sure stepped up with, uh, uh, with their senior secured financing. And, and, uh, and we had a, you know, we at least have a path in mind to uh, to repay those cities in in the seven to nine year time frame, and um, so yeah, we were we we had our backs up against the walls there for a while, but uh, uh, but after the refinance and it's really looking positive now. We're we're uh, we just keep churning away, just need to keep growing, and and ultimately we'll get the everything back back together. And Jenny, I know that. You feel good about that decision? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. The city administrator side of me is very happy about that. <laughs> it's just, I think it's a good way, note to end on because, you know, it's been it's been a lot of years of political polarization. And in here you have a, a dynamic of towns versus the, the ag producers. And, and, and the argument from the beginning was always that you all needed each other to to thrive and i think you've demonstrated that and and i just hope other people can take note of that and um that even when the, the going gets tough you can still pull together to to get through these things the township's really so supportive of this project yet even though the phase two part of the plan hasn't even gotten pen to paper but they are still in a hundred percent and they're just it's incredible how supportive that they still are 
That's great. Thank you both for taking time uh, today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. That was Christopher talking with Jake Ricky and Jenny Palmer. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 440 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>